This is episode 83 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Melissa A. Preblo Chapman. Melissa is a freelance writer who has had work published in magazines including The Western Horse, Good Dog, and Dog Gone. Her story, Gypsy Cross Country Dog, appears in the book Traveler's Tales, A Dog's World, alongside the work of such renowned authors as John Steinbeck and Gary Paulson. Chapman has been a paid speaker to over 100 organizations in regard to her solo cross-country trip and is a member of the Long Riders Guild, a worldwide league of equestrian adventurers. Chapman is a married mother of four and lives in upstate New York. She rides every day and continues to share life with her horses and dogs. Distant Skies, An American Journey on Horseback is her first full-length book. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I've got a great show for you today. I am so excited to have Melissa A. Priblo Chapman. She is the author of Distant Skies, and I'm telling you, this is like my favorite read of last year, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. Welcome, Melissa. I can't wait to get into the interview with you. Well, hi, Carly. Thank you for having me. Melissa's listened to the show, and for everybody else who listens, how I always love to kick the conversation off is like the very best question on earth. Melissa, how did your love affair with horses begin? That is always the classic question, and there's probably going to be other people out there nodding their heads as far back as I can remember. I was one of those little kids, and people say the word obsessed a lot these days, but I was definitely obsessed. I think I remember a teacher in about third or fourth grade telling my parents, can you get her to like pick a spelling word or write a sentence that isn't about horses? And that was all I thought about. And I always say, I, I, people told my parents, they, some little girls do that, but they outgrow it. And here we are. So some of us do not outgrow that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think so many authors that write about horses and listeners who are interested in horses and love horses too can totally relate it just we don't know where it comes from I think you know we come out that way and then our parents don't yep. know what to do with us and it just kind of takes on a life of its own and and most of us we may step away from it during our college years or something which you didn't and I'm excited to talk about but we always come back somehow we yep. always come back and have to have horses in our lives that yeah. is true yep. yeah absolutely now I your book is was just magical to me and you know I re really want to open the dialogue and start talking about distant skies an American journey on horseback this is a part American road trip part coming of age story uh total adventure and part uncommon love story you know talk to us about distant skies give us a you know give us a little summary of of this book well it it's funny when people first started referring to it as a memoir, it surprised me because I always pictured a memoir being, you know, how you grew up. And I realized that it can be any like life experience. Mm -hmm. So to me, it felt like a lot of different things. And I couldn't, as, as you know, the trip that the book is about took place in the early 80s, which was a while ago, you know, modern day still, but, but a while ago. And I couldn't let go of the idea of how much the different situations and events and connections and things that happened affected me and that I thought other people would want to know. But people kept being interested in it even years afterwards. I was getting asked to speak and it felt sort of like my story, but so many people were so interested in it for so long. And I think that there was something, some thread through it about perseverance and and, and keeping going when things were rough that I thought would would apply to other things and other people's dreams, that maybe it would help someone. So it kind of inspired me to just keep writing and keep pecking away at it. Yeah. And it's, it's no surprise that people wanted you to talk about 
this story when when you returned and even years years after you, you did get a lot of news coverage during this but this is about you decided at 23 years of age to embark on a solo cross-country horseback journey that would span over 26,000 miles beginning in New York state and ending in California and this is a time of no cell phones no GPS yep. no trucks that follow behind you with supplies I mean this was you on your own with your animal companions what yep. inspired you at 23 to leave your life behind and and go out on this adventure you know what at the time I touch upon this a little bit in the book I I thought that I was grown I was 23 years old and I just felt like well first of all first it was a dream like it was my daydream and my fantasy that was like I talk about in the in the prologue being a little kid in the car and just looking out the window and like probably a lot of horse lovers I knew where every horse place was and all that but I also I felt this pull towards the places that were natural and maybe not even just natural but just sort of outdoors and and in and it just like I said I would see trails and dirt roads and our car would speed by and my little I would just be looking out there and I wanted to see where they went I wanted to feel what it felt like to be there but it those thoughts always included being on a horse. I'm, I'm a hiker also. I hike with my dogs quite a bit. But as you know, there is nothing, like horses are very of the senses, you know, and when you're outdoors, you're very out in the open, but also they don't miss anything. I read a quote somewhere that someone said, being out in the woods without my dogs or horses was like going to an art museum without my glasses on because they see everything and they hear everything and it, it spreads to you. And sometimes that's not good if you have a high strung horse or something, but it was sort of that sort of sharing and that connection that they had, because even though they're domestic animals, they still have quite a bit of their hooves in the, in that outside world too, you know? So it's kind of neat that we get to go through that with them. So that called to me. And then by the time I was that age, that's a funny age. Like there's all these mommy blogs and all these things about little kids and the terrible twos. And I'm always like, somebody needs to be talking to moms that have kids in their late teens and their early twenties, because the world sort of goes, okay, you're grown up now, have a career, get married, have a house, whatever. And you're, you have such little world experience for the most part, you know? And I think now that I'm an adult looking back on that, I think that was also a way for me. I just sort of found my own way to make that step from being a younger person to an adult. And, you know, some people it's college, some people it's a career, start a business. And it was just sort of this thing that just kept calling to me at that age. I dreamed about it and I talked about it. And it just sort of came around that time that I started thinking, why aren't you trying it? Like it is against the odds. It is unusual, but it's certainly not impossible. Like I had people say, how, how could a horse get to California or something? But I always say, but how did they get there in the first place? Sure. Like our whole country is built upon the interstate system is only since like Eisenhower in the fifties, you know, before that everything was back roads and dirt roads and lanes, and they're still there, you know, they're less used and so on. So that's, that was kind of the basis that I started sort of pushing myself, like, let's just make this happen, you know, see what happens. So. It seems to me from, you know, the answers to the questions that you provided and just this conversation is like, this is a calling. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you chose that word because uh, I, I mentioned several times that there's stories that aren't in the book, of course, because we lived out there for months, but there was a gentleman in Pennsylvania and he had, and this was the other neat thing that introduced me to, it's almost like everybody has a story. There was something about, I think because I was vulnerable and I was following my dream, people would talk to me about these things. And this guy had built... Uh, channel catfish pond in his yard and it was all this sort of like interesting and he said he just had a call to do it and he said I think you've had a call and usually people when they hear that it means like religious connotations but he said no it doesn't have to be that it's just something that you feel driven to do driven to make it happen and not give up and I'm like well that sort of fits because especially in the beginning it was very difficult there's a lot of happy stories and freedom and the the bond with the horse but there's a like, like it was almost like a friend of mine said, it was like a ripping away of leaving behind everything, you know, and, and there were times in, in the beginning that I had to really, it was a tough adjustment, you know, so, so hearing other people's stories and someone else saying, you just feel a call, you have to answer it, you know, and, and shortly after being on the road, I would meet people that would 
because I was meeting a lot of people, especially like the, I always say the whole first half of the book is kind of like general store and the diners and the nice farmers. And then the second half from like Western Kansas Times, like, okay, you're out there. This is getting rugged. You know what I mean? But we were meeting so many people at first in the East. And I met so many people that said, oh, I had a dream. I always wanted to, and it could be anything. And then they'd say, but, but I'm too old, but I got married, but it's too much money. And I just thought, well, I don't know if we're going to make it, but at least I'm not going to have that, but I'll at least know I tried, you know? And so I learned that very young, you know, that at 23 years old, like, at least you're trying, you know? So yeah. And kudos to you for feeling that pull, recognizing that pull and, and doing it. I mean, this is an exceptional story. Like literally I was so moved by your persistence and your deep connection you had to your animal companions. Let's talk a little bit about persistence, but then also like, let's talk about how taking on this adventure really changed your view of building relationships with animals. You know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on both of those. What I think I learned from that was I knew, and that's why I left the stories in there of how I first saw Rainy, because I felt like something special happened. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Gypsy. Mm-hmm. And I left those stories in there because it seemed important because I did have a horse and he was an older horse. And I knew he wasn't going and I loved him and was happy to have him. You know, people sometimes talk about their husband and they go love at first sight. My mind always goes rainy. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that was this moment where I was like, I have to, I have to do this. And I am not impulsive, which is interesting because some people think, oh, you're a big adventure. You're wild and crazy. I'm not like I, I weigh things and I'm careful, but, but that was something that I just felt very strongly about. So it's, we started out in a good way because I sort of believed in that. And I, I want to say clearly, I personally will always think that Rainy and Gypsy were exceptional. I just, I never met a horse or a dog like that. And I probably never will again. So I believe that, but I also wonder what would any of our horse dog mule relationships be if we suddenly lived with them like that 24 hours a day. So it's like sort of this spending of time with them and not just like feed them, ride for an hour just to work them out. And, you know, and it's, it's almost like this, like hanging out with them. And so the trip threw me into that and I, it, it got, we got so bonded that I felt, I just felt like we could read each other's minds. Absolutely. And yeah, it's like the, there's a, there's a connectivity that you experience when, when you're, really being with your animals. And, and I also heard slowing down, right? That's what animals to me do. They like slow yep. you down, they get you present, they pick up on your energy, they shift your energy. And, and you had a lot of those experiences throughout this book. Rainy and Gypsy and Amanda were exceptional animals and, and they had an exceptional person in charge caring for them <laughs> along the way. Rainy made that entire journey without a hint of lameness, you know? Yep, no lameness. People ask about that all the time. He had, obviously I couldn't tell every time, but he had his shoes, you know, reset obviously Mm -hmm. several times, but he never, that horse never took a lame step. By the time Amanda was with us, there was a a little minor thing. And the minute she started like pulling back a little, I was like, she's telling me something, you know what I mean? And to this day, you know what? I don't have that opportunity to, to live with them like I did with those guys from the trip. But I have a great horse now that reminds me a little of Rainy. And he's a super trustworthy, solid citizen. And I still ride alone out in the woods and so on. And there's a trail uh, up the road from here that goes into the woods. And we've been there a million times. And one day he stopped and his head went up and all the you know high alert signs. And I tried to squeeze him forward and he kind of spun around. And I was like, you know what? He's not a new horse. He's not a young horse. And there are trainers that would say, don't let him call the shots. But if you build that bond, I was like, he knows something I don't know. I'm not going to let him run off or something. But we circled around a little bit and then I left. And I remember saying to my husband the next day, I have to ride back up there today just to make sure that that and he was fine. So I don't know, maybe there was a bear, maybe there was something. But it's like when you get that bonded enough, you don't have you're still the leader, but you should also listen to them. That's their world out there in the fields and the woods and stuff. You know what I mean? So I think it's important to give them that credit. I mean, I don't recommend that for every horse, every situation. You know, I have to be careful with that. But it's like, like I said, you evaluate. He's a, a good buddy. He's been up there. He's he's not one that was looking to test and challenge you. He was saying something in that darker part of the woods. I don't want to go in there today. And the, the next day he was fine. So that's an example that 
you don't have to be on a long journey to sort of build that hopefully with them. And, and I'm learning also to, or, or had to learn over the years that not all of them are great candidates for that. You know, like you, I don't know if you go to any of these clinics, like um, I go to Equine Affair and Horse World Expo and, you know, sometimes, and there's some great learning opportunities there, but sometimes the gist is we can get any horse to do anything. And a great trainer can do that. And I am not a trainer. And you're looking for that match. You know what I mean? I have a, a new horse that I bought not too long ago as I was searching. And she's a nice horse, but she's real unhappy out there alone. Mm-hmm. And I have to sort of, I, you know, because she's new, I view it as a trial. And you have to sort of sometimes go, she might not be perfect for that. You know what I mean? So, you know, it does take personality and everything. But time time is the best you can give to gain that. and and grow that with horses, I think. I totally agree with you. A partnership between an animal and a human is very, very special. And I, you know, there's a couple things you said there. I love that you just had this instinct about Rainy and Gypsy and then bringing Amanda along and then this trip. So it was like kind of like this magical experience. But I I also want to note that you took incredible care of your animals during this trip. I mean, they were the first thing you thought of. And it was very clear in the book that these, you know, because people think about such a long journey and they're like, well, that's a lot to put on, you know, a horse. But you, like, you thought of them first before anything else. They always had water, they had veterinary care, they had the farriers. You were, you took it slow, you gave them a rest when they needed to, and you had this grand adventure together and your bonds just completely grew and merged and this I mean they're obviously irreplaceable I mean this this whole book was I just my heart thank you so full I I feel like that they were and they were first you know it's like the old when I was a kid I loved you might not be shocked to hear that I loved what westerns and you know the whole idea of that I remember my dad old-fashioned you know this was probably the uh, the sixties or early seventies, taking my brother to see true grit. And I started crying. I didn't even know what the story was, but I knew there was horses in it, you know, and they took me along. So I had that sort of idea, like you take care of your horse first. Once in a while, a reporter or something would say, now, if this horse gets hurt, will you get another horse and go on? And it was always surprising to me. And I think I said to one, I'd sell my mother before I'd sell this horse, which he wrote in his article and sent to my mother. She didn't appreciate that. But, um, I felt that way. Like it, it wasn't, and, I, and people sometimes were surprised when they asked why I was doing it. They're like, are you raising money, spreading the word, raising awareness? Is it a race? Is it a challenge? And I was like, just me and these guys just going. And there was no rules, no schedule, no, we have to be there by this time. So there was one day, I think it was in Illinois, and it had been really hot. And he just was off. You know, he wasn't lame. He just was kind of cranky. And I was like, we got to take a few days off, you know, and, but you, you have to tune into that. And, and so, yeah, but thank you for that. Yeah, they were extremely precious to me and still uh still miss them and think about them all the time oh I can only imagine this is the coolest part about the book is it includes photographs of from from your adventure with with the animals and and it's just it's such a nice compliment as you're reading the story because you can like visualize it and you can kind of see what you're wearing because it was a different time and it has maps in it too like it tracks where you where you went and it really helped me visualize the adventure, but how did you decide what photos to choose? Like, I, I'm imagining you had a lot, but then when I read your question, the answer is a little different. So like, yeah, talk about the photos. The photos, it, that was with a lot of help from the people at Trafalgar Square, Rebecca and Martha, because like I said, nowadays, you know, I have young adult children and they're constantly taking, <laughs> like they must have a bazillion pictures. And I enjoy that too. I like having pictures and and memories and so on. But, you know, back then it was like the roll of film that you sent off somewhere. So most of those I never saw until the whole journey was over because I'd send them home to my mom. And sometimes people would ask to take our picture quite often and I would give them my mom's address. So it was kind of like piecing it together. But when we decided what what goes in, it was kind of like the overall feeling of, of the book, not like one specific story, but you know, just there's ones where we just people we met along the way. There's ones where you sort of have that feeling of open space. And then they, Rebecca, I think it was put together sort of this sequential version of them. And she sent them to me and I was scrolling through, been doing this for years. I was the one who picked them up and I start tearing up because it, 
it did. I know it's like my own pictures, but it gave you that sense of the story. You know, I mean, like the beginning and even Rainy still even wasn't fully shed out. Like you can see his, he always got a late shedding and, and, um, you know, a nice sleek coat in the winter, but you can sort of see this progress. And I laugh at even myself because seeing them laid out like that, I even thought like, I look wilder, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> so it, it was hard to choose, but I think we did well. And I've heard from several people, two of who are actually in, not related to this book, but had worked in the, you know, publishing and book industry. And they said, three sections with color photos is wonderful to see these days because a lot of them don't do that. So mm -hmm. kudos to um, those guys at Trafalgar Square for that, because I think it did add to it because it's real and it gives you the sense like, oh, here they are. That's really them, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And, and who wouldn't look wild after traveling across <laughs> the country? And I mean, it was, it was just so neat to see, you You know, like the dog Gypsy would jump up in the saddle with you and ride along and, you know, all your pack and like what you were wearing, yeah. like the cutoff t-shirts and I, yeah. glasses, like, oh, and that in the sunburn, but you know, it's funny because it makes me laugh because I was so, I was just me and I was, I'm five foot two and I was, you know, smaller than everything. And I was very vulnerable. Like you become tougher and you rise to what you need to do, but I still was just a person who was happy to meet people and hear their stories and, you know, somebody would offer to tell my parents they met us and so on. And, it, and that part was wonderful. But there was one place in Missouri where um, someone was trying to set up this chain of people. And this one woman said, no, I don't want them here. And someone later told me she was scared of me. And I just, it, it just moved me in such a weird way, because I've never been told that in any way. And it just, it, it made you sort of sometimes see yourself through other people's eyes. And, and I think sometimes when if you step outside what we consider normal, sometimes that's scary to other people. You know, obviously I'm not scary, but it, it just makes you realize how people view things differently sometimes. So yeah, that's a great, great point. So I know that when you first started the story, it was like a thousand pages long and you have a lot of stories <laughs> from this trip that didn't quite make it to distance guys, which is a great story. It's got a beginning, a middle and end. It's an adventure. It's like... Indiana Jones female but real like kind of thing <laughs> oh I wish <laughs> I know. but I you know I was kind of clamoring for more when I finished the book and I you know and I know you have more photographs I'm wondering is there a possibility for a companion piece or would that be something you'd even consider I love that you asked that you could probably tell I got I was happy that you asked it because what you write you're a writer and what more could someone ask than to what better thing could someone say to you than I wish there was more that's a great feeling to to have people say that I actually had two separate people say to me because they heard me talk about cutting out stories and they're like if they're in a form could you email them to us and I I didn't but I thought I don't know that touched me that 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 was there and I always say the trip home which was not by horseback I always joke that's a whole other little novella because oh yeah that was a little bit crazy because we went there with no idea how to get home so that became this sort of funny a kind of neat story of people kind of pulling together for us. So like I said, I'm always open to that and I would love anything like that. But this particular story is very linear. You know, it's, it's a journey. You know something? Cutting out stories was one of the hardest things in any writing I've ever done. I have them and who knows, you know, it's something to always see what happens, I guess, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> I would, I would love that. I think that would be really cool. Well, thank you. And I'd, I'd love to hear about reacclimating from having been on this wild, long adventure <laughs> and being with the horses to what it was like going back to normal. You know what I mean? Like I, wow. I would love to hear that story too. I mean, that, I will I say Carly that that one might not be such an uplifting story because it was a struggle. I think that it was harder to adjust to coming back than it was starting out on that trip. But there's this feeling like, do I, like, where do I belong? Kind of, you know, I, I sort of, um, I don't want to make myself sound like the Mowgli in the jungle book, like I'm this wild child, but I, I felt so connected and so like, like I was where I belonged. There's, there's so many stories, some that I cut out because they were so similar about me, just like at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, just starting out and the roads in front of us and the sun's coming up and just feeling like we belong there. This is, 
we're part of this, you know? And so to come back and like have to find a job and drive a car and all that, it, it was, it was hard. And there were times that I thought, well, Rainy's still young. Maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll do that. But there's also this sense that I wanted a normal life too. You know, I, I never was a, I wasn't a great girly girl that dreamed of weddings and stuff like that, but I loved kids and, you know, the normal life calls to you too, you know, but it, it was definitely adjust, an adjustment for sure. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm still working on that. I'm sure. I mean, a, a lot of the moments in the book that really touched me was, was that piece that you experienced with your little herd and recognizing the landscape and just being so in the moment and away from half twos. I was just like glowing with love for my horses, having experienced your love of your animals, you know? So thank you. It was cool. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, and we've talked a lot about the animals, like so many people came together for you around this grand trek that you took. Like there are so many great stories of people like showing up and helping you and banding together and giving you refuge and places to stay and, and all those things. Did, did this journey restore your faith in humanity? I feel like it didn't need to be restored, but it certainly confirmed it, if that's the right word, because it probably was a little bit naive, but I felt, and we've all seen this, like at a horse show or something, you know, there's someone that has a horse that won't get on a trailer or some kind of issue and is it's competitive and horse people can get very competitive but as soon as there's some issue like that everybody's pitching in and coming over or a sick horse or you know things like that and so I had seen that and I I had faith in that like there's part of that book trailer where it says I started out with faith in the people we'd meet along the way and those were not my words but those captured exactly what I did feel And I remember trying to reassure my parents that because obviously they were very worried, but I honestly had no idea how much that was true. Like I figured somebody would say, oh, you can camp in my barn or here's some water for your horse. I had no idea that people would just be woven into the fabric of this story. And you'd be surprised how many of them are still a part of my life, Mm -hmm. um, which says something too. But I didn't know that it would be that way and how strong and how much they were a part of this story. But also it taught me one of the most valuable lessons, which was it was my dream and no one it was no one's job to make it happen. It was up to me and my animals and how I took care of my animals and and sometimes fate because you can just have bad luck sometimes, too. But trying to make it happen was up to me. So I it made me strong and it made me feel like I can handle whatever comes up. But on the same time, and it's a, it's like one of those contradictory statements it also taught me how much people need each other. Mm. And that was a valuable lesson because I, I felt starting out like I'm independent. I'm doing this on my own. And it certainly was not on my own. I was alone a lot, but I was not on my own. you sort of felt this support was that was behind us and, and rooting for us. And that's a powerful, it's a powerful thing to feel. I treasured that. And I learned to appreciate that. So like I said, there's, there's a, there's a loan and there's um, a different kind of a loan, you know? So I, I, I will never, I will never be able to state the value of, of the people that some of it planned, some people that saw us in need, but sometimes it could be something as simple as, because much of this was during hot weather. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times people would drive by and then turn around and come back and they, they just would say, do you need anything? There's a store up ahead, but it'll take you all day to get there. I can bring you a, a cold drink or something. Just somebody that took time out of their day and I'm we'll never know their name or anything but there were so many things like that and it it touches you to know and I do want to say I hear this a lot too well that was back then it's different now and I want to I always try to make sure to say this there are always people adventuring including with horses I'm not naive that we can cross paths with bad people and bad things I know that's out there but I think there's I think this story reminds us that most people are good and most people see you in trouble and want to help. So I, I believe that. And I think that kept us going a lot of times. Oh, yes. And this story sums all that up so, so well. And you're, you're right. I, you know, I think we all have to believe a little more that there's kindness and gentleness and connectedness among us all. And, and you're yeah. an example of that. And it's still alive and well today, especially with horse people, because you're right. We'll step in anytime anybody needs anything or just check in. It was just on a trail ride a couple of weeks ago. 
and a girl's bridal broke and we all banded together and figured out a way to get it fixed so she could get back yeah. to her trailer. So yeah, I think we touched on this a little bit, but I still want to give you an opportunity to to talk about it a little bit more. What are your thoughts on the healing power of animals to satisfy our need for connection? I tried to explain that to someone. If I've had a lot going on or, or problems, I said, when I get in the saddle, I can just sort of feel this moment where you just go, Mm-hmm. And it doesn't solve whatever the problem was. It doesn't magically give you an answer in the trees or something. But you just have this moment where that falls away for a few minutes because what you feel is the strength of the horse, the sound of the clip clopping hooves, like we said, the leaves in the trees. And it might clear your mind a little bit. It might be cleansing. And when you come back, again, like I said, you don't magically have the answer to whatever the problems were, but you you, you sort of have this this cleansing feeling, I think. And I don't even think it has to just be horses because I know a lot of people are intimidated by horses or can't afford horses and so on. I feel the same thing comes from dogs. There's so many people that are amazed when they're sad and they say their dog came over and just sat with them. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh yes, they know, (laughs) like they somehow know. And cat people, same thing. Now, the title of your book, Distant Skies. Can you tell us where that came from and what it means to you? Well, Distant Skies came from, the actual words came from a poem that my friend Reed, who you do meet in the book, mm-hmm. wrote to me and sent to me while we were still on the road and traveling. And the line that I put in the book was, someday I'll return to a normal life, have a job, be a mother and wife, but I'll always remember in my mind's eyes, those old horizons and distant skies. And I just thought that was beautiful. And it was also literally true because we were always riding West, you know, because there were times this is kind of going off on a side track, but sometimes people said, how did you not get lost? And there was a few times I I never considered my lost self lost because I didn't have a place I had to be. But if you are going west, just just follow the sun, you know what I mean? <laughs> and there are certainly parts of our country from the middle on that it's just this great horizon. So I loved it both literally and for what it meant. I just like I couldn't think of it in any other way. And then the subtitle, which is An American Journey on Horseback, just sums up how truly American I feel that that pull to, to travel west, the pull to be outdoors, the pull to sit by a campfire under the stars and to have a relationship with a horse. I know that that has happened all over the world, but to me, and to me, what made it truly American was that for anyone, but especially as a female, to have the freedom to try to make that happen. And so it was truly an American journey. So that's how those, those two things came together. Oh, it's perfect. I just, I wanted to give you the opportunity to explain that because I, I think that title is perfect. I wanted to shift a little into like how you got this book written and talk a little bit about your strategy around writing. This is a personal, personal thing that you're sharing, like a personal story, something very important in your life. You know, what hurdles did you personally face when you were writing so openly about your life, your emotions? Like, how did you overcome that stuff and push through to get this book done? That's a great question because I didn't, again, starting out, I didn't feel that I would, I didn't realize how much the emotions had to be part of it. Like Mm -hmm. for an example, there's that story early on and it was in Western Pennsylvania on Crescent Mountain when this is winding road and this big, really bad storm came. Very, very frightening and very scary. And I thought, now there's an adventure story because we were in this bad spot and the thunder and lightning, like that's a lot of stuff to work with for a good story. But I couldn't write it without saying that I was scared, that I was saying prayers, that I was thinking of my parents. And people think that I was kind of joking when I said I put myself on the outside because that was a true thing. Because don't you agree that's true? I knew that if I got hit by a car, they would try to save me. They would call an ambulance. But if Rainy got hit, like people would stand around, not know what to do. So like there's all this part. And then I just to use that as an example, that was full of emotion you know, fear and worry and relief, you know, when it, at the end, so on. So that is just a way to say, like, all these stories were somewhat about what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And and so that was the first step. And I had to just sort of say, this is how it is. And I remember at one point, actually sitting at this exact table writing, and just sort of sitting back, and you have those moments, and I'm sure you've had them too, where you just, you have moments where you write something, and you just feel great. You're like, I, 
I love that line. I love how I wrapped it up. I'm so thrilled. And then you also have these ones where you just look at it and you're like, why is, who am I kidding? Who's going to care about this? You know what I mean? Like complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But then I kind of got past that because I thought these feelings, fear, homesickness, loneliness, joy, elation, you know, friendship with people and animals. Those are things we all feel and all relate to. You don't have to be on a big adventure to have that. And so I just, just kept going, you know, I just felt like this is, this is the true story. And these emotions are so entwined with the stories that the impossible to write it without showing that, you know, and it's funny because this is what interestingly, what people responded to, because the first wave of book readers were people that I knew and people connected with the publisher, you know, and that type of thing that they had, where they had promoted it. I'm sort of hitting the second wave now where non-horse people and non-animal people are reaching out to me. And that's been kind of fun too, because you see like a different thing they relate to. Like somebody else might say, I got thinking about my once in a lifetime horse and how lucky I was or something. And now these people are like, oh my gosh, when, when you were crying, I started crying. So they see like different sides of it. So you know, the emotions just had to be part of it. Well, I'm glad that you conjured up your cowgirl courage and put this book <laughs> into the world because I found it incredibly human. I, I could relate in so many different places in this book. I could relate to the dream. I could relate to the calling. I could relate to the emotions that you're experiencing. I could relate to the loss of the boyfriend, which I felt really sad at that part. And, you know, but then, and then yeah. I could relate to the meeting of Reed and I could relate to your, it was just so relatable. and the in, told in an emotional adventure way that it was just, it was just a really great read. I, I was telling you before we started the, the call, like I sat down, I read it in a day. I could not put it down. And I love books like that. So thank you for thank you. giving this gift to others. And emotions in that, in that advent, that trip, not just the book, but the trip itself ran the gamut from oh. every, like, from just like, there were moments that I was like, what am I doing out here? Like, you know, just, this is insane. I'm insane or something, you know? And then, you know, there's these times I just, you'd asked later on about moments and there was just these sometimes quiet moments or gentle moments that you were touched by. And, and it, you just felt joy too, you know, and just every possible emotion that you could feel is touch that story in, at some place during that trip. So. For sure. And like that, that reminds me of this question I wanted to ask you, because as I'm reading this, I'm thinking as a woman alone with my beloved animals to care for in the wilderness, I think I would have been full of an incredible amount of anxiety. Like, how did you manage to keep your head level uh, during the ride, given some of the challenges that you experienced? I mean, there were so many successes, but there are also a lot of challenges. And like, I would have been like, you know, I would have put my head down and figured it out, but I, I don't even know that I would embark on something this massive, you know, like how did you keep your head level? Well, I think the answer to that is, first of all, it was like being a parent or a teacher in a classroom. You realize like, I'm the one that has to keep us all safe and, and make it right. So that was an aspect of it. But also when you pared down life when you think about this lifestyle that I had put us in, you're not thinking about, did I pay that bill that's due on my card or whatever? Did I, am I past due for an oil change? Do I have, did I get that day off at work? Like all of that stuff in our modern world fell away mm. and it was pared down to these basics of safety, food, water, and remembering that I was out there for pleasure. Mm. And so I think much of the, what we consider is anxiety is from all those things that weren't on this trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the other thing was, and I talked about this with a, a, a well-respected horsewoman that said, you were living like a horse because you were living in like an animal because you were not in a crazy way, but because you, it was all in the moment. Like mm. horses don't go, I hope she's not late coming out here tomorrow morning. <laughs> you know, I hope she gets me a new saddle pad, like that kind of thing. It's not the future. It's not the past. It's the here and now. The scaling away and the falling away of all those other things brought me into that. So when you're battling, say, a storm, because we that was one of the big things. I couldn't write every story, but we, storms was something we had to deal with a lot in the Midwest. You don't go, oh, if I don't get out of this, my this will be too wet. And, you know, what if I can't, what if I get hurt? And what if, 
you just have like that moment. Okay, there's lightning. We need to get off the road. There's an open barn. I don't care who owns it. I don't care what they say. We're going in it. You know what I mean? And it was like that moment you address that. Not what am I going to do if a guy comes out and yells at us for being there? Not, you know, you, you just, it's like each moment is in and of itself. And so when there is situations that could be stressful or dangerous or something, you just deal exactly with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that helped you move forward. And so as a whole, like I said, when I, when I think of that time, there were certainly times where I had fear and so on. But as a whole, when I picture that time, it was actually really peaceful and calm because it was just me and my horse walking along, you know, under the wide blue sky and saying hello to people that would stop and talk. And, you know, the, the stressful situations got thrown into it here and there, but it certainly was only a fraction of the time. Oh. So you just deal with that. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, like that, I feel like that's how life should be more like, you know, rather than stressing about this big glob of stuff, you know, just take it moment by moment, solution by solution. Very much what this book is rooted in is just that. I mean, in what a life lesson at 23, what a life lesson to be able to absorb that and take that into the rest of your life. Take Uh, the little steps to get to the big step. Don't look at the whole big thing because that was another thing that got, that was daunting. Like, especially those first few weeks when I was trying to adjust I'd be in someone's house, like they'd invite me in and they'd have the news on. And I've told this before, you know, sometimes they show the weather and it would have the whole map. Oh, I was literally like, I can't look at that because I go like, we're here and we're going, we have to go here. And I'll, I, I, I narrowed my focus down to tomorrow. I hope to get to this town, 22 miles down the road, you know, and, and that's all I would think about, you know, that day, that day, the next day. And so I tried to, <laughs> teach that with my kids that, you know, break it down and just keep taking those small steps, you know, so, but I think they did get tired of lessons learned from the the horses anyway. But that's, that's a great lesson actually. And that lesson from the horse, the horse ride is applicable to writing a book, right? Because it's, it is, you can look at the mammoth thing that is the journey of writing a book, or you can take it down to step by step, where am I going to get to tomorrow? And that's how a lot of books that's how you get your book written, right? And I think you're right. Cause there yeah. were days when, especially when I had sort of a rough draft and you knew it wasn't anywhere near, you know, complete. And I, you know, we had a busy house and uh, I, I worked part-time doing most of that. And so, I, and still spent a lot of time with the animals. And I just remember there were days and there were times that like days and days and days would go by that I didn't touch that book, mm-hmm. you know, especially raising a family. And then all of a sudden I'd say, you know what, no matter what I have to do, I just want to take that one piece, even if I didn't take my computer and like print it out and mark on it and write it. And there were times I, there's a nice park down the road from where I live, kind of natural, just hiking and a little pond and everything, there's nothing else there. And there were times I would just go down there, literally a piece of paper and a pencil and say, at least I got that much done. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I would like, now I can rewrite that. And it just, just kept inching forward, you know, mm-hmm. and it took when you asked if there were things I wish I knew before I started, I was like, there's things that's good. I didn't know because when I started, if somebody told me how long it would be, (laughs) I might've been quite kind of like looking at the map of the United States. And also, oh, and by the way, when you do finally finish, it's going to come out during an unbelievable pandemic and the whole world's going crazy. So it's probably good. There's some things we don't know at the beginning. That's true. But I, you know, I think it was the perfect read for the time, to be quite honest. It was a story of of hope, a story of perseverance, a story of connection. I mean, it it was, this book came out, I think at the perfect time, like, like I said, my favorite book during the pandemic. What advice would you give to a fellow author who aspires to write? To get it down. It's sort of like a a builder can't build a house until he has a pile of wood this book was in me you know I said I'm going to start writing it down and if anyone could see those first writing down they'd be like there's no way she ever published anything because it's literally like just get the story down because then you have that to work with but that was the main thing was just getting it down you have to get past especially with a memoir because it's personal what other people think you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and that was a that's a hurdle because you're like well I don't know if I want to say this I don't want to I don't know if I want to say that and then you just have to go People either like it or don't like it, but it doesn't change what you need to write. And so it, it comes back to like emotions and, and some of them negative, you know, and that type of thing in the book. You write, write real, as I say, and then hopefully people respond. If they don't, at least it's real. It's what you 
you don't want to make up a memoir, you know, so that would be my other thing to just, you know, get something down and then make sure you just put it out of your head that someone might be reading it someday. Just write it how you need to write it. Then you can play with it, you know. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect advice. And then what's been the best part about having written this book? And then of course, the hardest part, you know, which is obviously getting over ourselves to get it out into the world. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, do you have a thought on, on those two things? I want to just touch on saying if there's a hard part briefly, because that's a shorter answer. And I consider myself very blessed and very lucky because so far there haven't really been hard parts. And I even had you know, the publisher and different people warned me, like, once something's out in the world, you just get those internet trolls and mm-hmm. somebody's going to say, oh, that was cruel to the horse or, oh, you know, whatever negative. And I've not kind of been very lucky because any feedback and so on I've gotten has been extremely positive. But I think what has touched me and moved me the most, and I almost have to be careful, I don't tear up just talking about it, was when people, first of all, and if the people at Trafalgar Square, Rebecca and Martha in particular, We'll probably laugh because I think her Martha's quote was, I hear we dragged you kicking and screaming into social media because I just had no interest in it before. And it's not that I'm old school. Obviously, I use computers and everything, but I just, you know, time is precious and I just didn't have, I wasn't drawn to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I see the positive side of being able to have people connect you from all over the world. And I think I used a few examples there, but when I started, getting the first few readers commenting and having a way to reach me, which was through Facebook at first, my heart just, I, it was beyond what I could have ever wished for because I heard first from people that um, just read it and said, you know, I've been really struggling because it came out like right in the middle of this whole pandemic and mm-hmm. right before the election. And so it was just like such tumultuous times. And people said, you know, it just took me away. And it reminded me of what our country is about and that most people are good there can be happy endings, just like to, to feel that we brightened someone's day in a small way was so rewarding. And then there was that feeling. And again, I hate to overuse this word, but it's really what so much of this is about is the connection. I, I think I, I heard from a sailor, he was out at sea and he sent me a picture of himself on the deck and you can see the ocean. And he said, this, I feel like I'm, I'm in the middle of our country with you and Rainy and Gypsy and Amanda. And mm-hmm. it just, it just melted my heart and people that you know, had been sick. And, and I think I talked about one woman and she said, I, I saved it because I don't want to finish it because every day, like at the end of the day, that's my thing I look forward to. And um, to realize that these little stories and these times where they just seem like small moments with my animals and I that are touching people or brightening someone's day or encouraging them, it's, it's beyond words how much that moves me. And also as sentimental as it sounds, it keeps them alive for me, these animals and both of my parents are gone since, you know, the time of this journey. And just to think of people, you know, saying their names or picturing them or something, it, it just is beyond words how much that means to me. Wow. The other amazing thing, and you talk about connections. After you took this journey, you started being asked to speak. So you speak on your adventure frequently. Uh, so like this has kind of become your life and sort of your profession and and what you do. Do you want to talk a little bit about the speaking engagements that you do? I do. The speaking engagements started as soon as I came back. Back then, you know, there was no internet and so on, but we were, you know, on the news and and different media, you know, quite a bit while it was happening. And I started getting asked to speak about it. Something about it just resonated with people. You know what I mean? Even, and like I said, interestingly, at first it wasn't even horse groups, like eventually like 4-H and so on would hear about it. But it, it just started like one of them was um, this group of uh, community college teachers. They were trying to study people that had sort of done unusual things and how they stick with it and what that kind of thing. And supervisors and administrators of the New York Education Association. So I started getting paid to do it. And, and I want to make it sound like a full time job or anything. It wasn't that. But it was like this sort of extra income that I felt the animals had earned. So I even though I'm still a young person, I felt you don't just take that money and go shopping or something. So I started saving, I saved every penny of it. And then my parents also helped me. And that's how I got the land that my horses moved to. And then eventually we built our house and the land I'm sitting on right now in this house. So they are just that journey. And these animals are just the gift that keeps on giving. It sort of encouraged me to not let go of the dream of writing a book. The fact that people were interested helped me believe that the book 
might be worthwhile, you know, oh, for others. Yeah. Absolutely. And the gift that keeps giving these yep. animals. And I mean, imagine, like you said back, like you met people on this adventure that said, I once had a dream. Imagine what your life would be like if you hadn't un- taken on that thing that was calling you forward. I mean, it would be a complete, yeah. you'd be in a completely different place. I mean, yep, it's just that is incredible. absolutely true. That is absolutely true. Yeah. I just feel that I feel rainy and gypsy and Amanda in all that I have and all that I do still. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. Even my husband, I put that in the end. That's how I met my husband. He just saw me somewhere and he goes, aren't you that girl that rode the horse? And we just started talking. So like, thank you again, rainy. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just, it just gives me chills. It's like just so special. So if you have a dream, everyone listening and it's calling you forward, grab onto it with both hands and go no matter how scary it is because look at what a what a dream can do and this wasn't about fame for you this was just about you had you wanted to be out there with your animals you wanted to follow the trails and you had this awesome adventure and all this stuff is just aftermath of following your heart and being with your your animals that you loved unconditionally man and I think it's important also to say that it was still a worthwhile dream, even if it wasn't successfully completed, because by the time we had had probably the first three or four weeks on the road and we crossed our first state line, West Virginia, I started to, that was when that living in the moment started. And I remember that feeling like we know how fragile it is with horses and especially on the road. And if he started coming up lame or there's a million things that could have gone wrong, but I just remember at least I, at least I rode a horse from New York to West Virginia. At least we had that day, you know, of sunshine and, and, you know, going along the cornfields. Like, like I learned each day to go, this, this was worth it. Just even getting to here, but we just kept getting farther and farther, you know, but even if dreams don't come true the way you picture that they would, they're still always worth having a piece of it or, or having known you tried. So. Oh, completely. Totally. And you know, I want, I want to say to listeners, uh, there is so much more in Melissa's show notes because she, she sent such beautiful detailed answers to the questions that I sent over to her. So please check those out. But I have to ask right now, you know, what are you curious about? What's next? I know things are just starting to kind of like grind for distance guys. And, you know, when, with things opening up, you'll probably be doing a lot of engagements around distance guys, but what's next? Maybe that follow-up book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, keep, keep pushing for that. It can't hurt. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm really looking forward to being able to travel and visit the root of our journey because I think, uh, you know, whether it's in fiction or nonfiction, I think a lot of the small towns and back road places don't get noticed or mentioned a lot. I remember once there was a, a mystery book out and it mentioned my hometown here and people were buying it just because of that. And not so much about buying it, but I think it'd be neat for people in those places that don't get noticed as often to, to know that they're in the book. So there is that. So I look forward to maybe doing some readings or so on in, in some of those places. And also I have, I, I love to write. I know you probably understand this because I remember a time this just thinking, even if this never is a book, I'm still, I'm still just happy to be working on it. You know, it just felt like a good part of my day, like writing, you know, I was like, at least I had that in my day, you know, and, and I feel that way about writing. So I have a children's book that is like kind of complete, just needs, you know, to be polished up. And it's of course horses <laughs> and it is a true story actually. So I don't want to say too much about that. So we see what happens with that. But um, I'm also dabbling with my first uh, attempt at fiction, which is a whole other ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know how that will be, but I'm having fun with it. So again, trying to make the time. I have a horse and a mule. Um, now I mentioned Starbuck earlier. He's a great horse, but I have been kind of searching um, for a special horse to um, step in and, and as he gets older and slows down a little bit. So that's always time consuming and always a project. So that's kind of what I'm working on now. That's exciting. And what I, what I like about all that too, is it's in the present moment and it's just what's next that getting lost in the writing I can completely identify with, but I can see it now hire a documentary crew, follow the route you took with Rainy and do a book tour through all those places and stop and see everybody. And then you've got your next piece where it tells a story of, you know, what happened. That is actually a cool idea. Yeah. You know what else I found out, Carly, now that I'm not 23 anymore? Uh There were some people that I thought were really old and I found out they were, they're still around. And I'm like, he's that old farmer. He's still around. He was probably like, 
I was 23. He was probably like 30 something. I was like that old guy, you know? So yeah, it would be fun to do that. Oh my gosh. It'd be so cool. And you could even do it on your own, you know, just with an iPhone yeah. or take your kids, your kids could do it. Yeah. Interview the people that you yeah. met and hear them talk, talk about this crazy girl that re- rode through their town and stayed in their barn uh, with, yeah. with a horse and, and dog. And Funny thing like that. Um, I was in New Mexico and I'd stopped at Klein's Corners and I got talking to the woman that worked there and we were talking and she said, what are you doing out here, you know, by yourself? And I said, well, I'm, I'm heading to Gallup, but I ha- I like to visit some of the places that I, I went on a kind of a neat journey uh, a long time ago. And she asked about it. I said, well, I was on a horse. And she goes, oh, well, there was some girl that rode through here, but that's like 30 years ago. So that wasn't you. And I was like, that was me. Because, <laughs> you know, it, it was, you know, probably 10 years ago that I had that experience. So it, it's neat. And I this is another weird thing that would be interesting to film. Things that you think are permanent, because I have gone back over and visited most of this, like roads and bridges. You're like, I know there was a bridge here. And I'll get talking to someone with it in the diner and they're like, oh, the state closed up that road, milled up the road, like a, something like that changed. There'd be another thing like in New Mexico, there was a place we stayed for rodeo riders called the Horse Hotel. Yeah. Just had old wooden painted on sign. Wooden sign still hanging there. Oh, so like, God. it's a strange thing to revisit after this long. Because some things that you think are permanent and unchangeable are gone and things that seem fragile and are still there. So it would be interesting to film. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Maybe I can be my own documentarian. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It would be really incredible. Like just to start at the beginning and go to all those places and, and like talk about what you remember and what's there and what's not. And I just I can so see it. So I, I, I can, I can see this. You could even like write up a pitch and get some documentarian to maybe take on the project. That would That's be really a cool neat. idea. Yeah. Thank and you it, for that. Yeah. And it's a testament to America though, right? Because this is America we know. And like the whole book made me feel closer to my country too. So this is just an extension of that. So I, I could yeah. totally see this working, but, uh, you know, I really do feel like we could have talked for days and days and days and days. And like I said, I absolutely love your book and I appreciate so much of your time. We'll have to have you back on the show after that documentary gets made. <laughs> but in the meantime, can you tell listeners where they can find you and your books? Yes, thank you for asking that. And to have such great questions and you're so inspiring yourself and your supportive authors. I so appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But one of the best places to find Distance Guys is at horseandriderbooks.com. And that supports small business. And I just want to mention that Trafalgar Square Horse and Rider Books is also an all-women-owned business too, which is really neat. And um, they have been great to work with. Frequently, they have sales with discounts and free shipping and stuff. So it's always good to support small business. But then it's also available in the normal places like Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, We recently found out it's at Target.com and Walmart.com too, if you like the big guys. Fantastic. Um, Yeah. And so our local brick and mortar bookstores have it in stock, pretty available wherever books are out there. And if someone wants to reach out to me, I am on Facebook. Melissa Pribolo Chapman and same thing with Instagram and there's an email address on that too and I love to hear from people and I answer everyone and I so appreciate that someone takes the time out of their day because I don't know if you do this but I sometimes will be moved by something I read and say I'm gonna write something and then you move on and you don't do it so when people take the time to do that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, that means so much to authors. And I will make sure to link to all those places in the show notes so you can get directly to Melissa. And don't forget to check out the show notes because the answers to the questions that she sent over are so touching and so moving. I felt like I was reading Distant Skies all over again. So I will include those there so people can hear the parts of the interview we didn't get to because I wanted to talk to you about all this other stuff. So Melissa, thank you so much for the gift of your time. I really appreciate you being on the show today. I appreciate you inviting me. I think you are great at what you do and I've enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure and uh, appreciate your support. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author, 
who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlykidcreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle. <laughs>